The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The Israeli government have warned that they're going to continue to deny water, electricity and fuel to Gaza until Israeli hostages have been released. The warning comes as the US renewed its commitment to support Israel following a meeting between Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and the Israeli Prime Minister, or President rather, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, we're joined now by Daniel Levy, President of the US Middle East Project and a former Israeli peace negotiator. Daniel, thank you very much uh, for joining us on the show. Uh, when you stand back uh, from the totality of the situation and as try as you might kind of from the barbarity of, of the individual atrocities we've seen in recent days, how would you describe what we're seeing play out? And you're right, it is very difficult, Kieran, to to step back from that. And it's also necessary sometimes to do so. What I think we're seeing playing out is, is three things. First of all, there was an atrocity committed. And it was unconscionable what, what the, the, the militants who came who came out of Gaza uh, did to Israeli civilians on the weekend. We are now at a different stage. We're seeing another atrocity already committed and it's continuing. And that's just as unconscionable because it shouldn't be so hard to hold at one and the same time the humanity of all peoples without distinction, whether Palestinian or Israeli. And what is happening in Gaza is also a violation of international law. You cannot say, ah, but we're only targeting the militants. If there are civilian casualties, then that's a very unfortunate but unintentional outcome. You can't say that when you have openly declared and implemented the cutting off of water, food, electricity, medicine, the obstruction of humanitarian assistance, and you are c- carrying out indiscriminate bombing against a, an open-air prison, which has already been besieged by Israel for the first 16 years, where 2.2 million Palestinians live, 15% of whom have already been displaced. There's no, no one can pretend that this is now Hamas's fault, what's happening right now in Gaza. It's Israel. That's dropping the bomb. So that's the second thing that's taking place. And then, Kieran, I think you have to step back a, a bit further and say, what the hell? How did we get to this moment? And unfortunately, civilians have been part of this conflict from the, the get-go, including the fact that that population in Gaza, who are refugees in the most part, many of whom live in refugee camps, many of whom come from those communities from those spaces in the south of Israel where they were kicked out, ethnically cleansed from during the Nakba. And then you've had the the ongoing conflict. What you haven't had is an attempt to solve these things politically. And when politics is blocked and people are living under oppression, terrible things happen, which doesn't justify those things. What it should do is tell us that war is terrible and if we're failing on the politics, we're, we're sending people over the abyss. Militarily, can Israel achieve its aims? And, and, and let's assume that aim is what they say it is, and it's not something else. There's lots of people who might suggest it's something else. But that, that, that aim is that, that to eradicate the threat from Hamas, if if everything else remains the same, if Gaza remains the same, conditions in Gaza remain the same, can militarily Israel achieve 
the eradication of Hamas or or a body like Hamas? I mean, I would say this. If Israel is willing to continue violating international law, international humanitarian law to commit further war crimes and self-defense is allowed, of course it is. Even war is is, is something that's recognized. But there are rules which delimit, which tell you how those have to be conducted. If you're willing to break all of those rules, then I think it's not inconceivable at a horrendous cost. It is not inconceivable that Israel could remove the weaponry, the personnel, the leadership over a period of time. But your question, Kieran, went further, didn't it? Because it said, would that actually, I think this is what it said, would that actually bring security? And I think the answer there is a no, because if Palestinians are going to have horror upon horror heaped on them, it's not that complicated, right? If people are kept under circumstances where, on the one hand, they are denied basic rights and freedoms, the things that you and I would probably take for granted every day, there's no predictability to life. There are closures. In the case of Gaza, they're besieged. They have no hope for a better future. If people are living under those circumstances, firstly, and if secondly, all avenues of non-violent ways of addressing that, of changing the, the reality, are blocked because Israel is allowed, and here, let's bring in the outside. America and the West, including the EU, have fabulous bilateral relations with Israel. Israel is not held accountable. Israel is treated with impunity. UN avenues, ICC avenues, sanctioning, boycotting the illegal products from from illegal settlements. All of those avenues are blocked to create a different incentive structure for Israel. If everything else is blocked and the repression continues, then even if all the Hamas people are cleaned up, there will be acts of resistance and armed struggle because that's what happens. That's what humans do. You don't have to be a bloodthirsty beast. I'm against what they did. But if you close off every other avenue, don't be surprised when this blows up in your face. So no, there is no military solution. The fates of these two peoples are intertwined and Israelis will not know security. And I want Israelis to live in security until Palestinians have security because I also want Palestinians to live in security. And if, if, if you know that and I know that and I'd wager lots of people listening know that or realise that reality and, and Hamas as well at the same time would realise that, you know, militarily we're never going to defeat. Is that we can we can we can win a battle. We cannot win a war. Um, and we will not achieve that aim. Maybe, sorry, I'm, I'm assuming um, a position here that some of them may not uh, have or may not share. But let's assume they deep down realise we cannot wipe them off the face of the map either. I mean, it begs the question why we haven't progressed to the point of real attempts at political solutions. Yeah, and look, I think there are folks on, on different actors in this who, who probably do say, well, no, we, you know, we, we can end this. And, you know, I fear that the, the, the language being used at the moment about Palestinians uh, uh, is, is teeing up a possible second mass expulsion, a second Nakba where Palestinians are ethnically cleansed and displaced. This is, we're deep in uh, uh, Hutu Tutsi 
language. This is very scary. Um, but let's put that aside. Let's assume uh, people know, uh, there are many people who know that that's not the case. There is also, though, a deep, deep dehumanization. And here I think that there are parallels. You, that, what, what we saw on Saturday against Israelis couldn't have happened if Israelis hadn't been so dehumanized in Palestinian eyes. Whatever, the, whatever all the background I said to you, still, the dehumanization is terrible. But Israel couldn't be doing what it's doing indiscriminately in Gaza if that wasn't true the other side as well. It couldn't, it couldn't be doing this to the Palestinians every day every year, every decade, if there wasn't that dehumanization. So how do you get past that? You've got to summon that from within those societies, but you also often need a responsible adult from the outside. And that's what we've been so lacking because this peace process, I'm afraid, is monopolized by the US. And the US, rather than bringing a fire extinguisher to the party, more often than not brings a gas canister because it aligns with Israel, even when Israel's doing the wrong thing, it gives Israel carte blanche. And this has, I think, been a huge disservice. Of course, the Israelis say, great. And at, at many levels, that is, you know, they get this backing from America. Yeah. But I think it does a huge disservice to Israel because it walks the Israelis down a path that is not going to end well for them. And of course, not for the Palestinians either. Is there a time limit, Daniel, on, on the two-state solution? And what I mean by that is, the 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 makeup of that would have been Gaza and the West Bank. But when you when you look at it, I mean, because of the expansion of illegal settlements, I mean Palestinian influence and the Palestinian Authority influence of the West Bank is shrinking all the time. You know, and if you go in and you obliterate Gaza um now in this current operation, it takes years to recover to even to the degree it it, it was existing a few days ago, which, as you say, a lot of people would describe as an open air prison. And in the meantime, settlements continue to spread and the West Bank, the Palestinian Authority West Bank continues to shrink. I mean, the two states initially envisioned don't exist anymore. One of them anyway. Yeah, I think it's very hard to see how that formula maintains its viability. And I, I think an outsider looking in should probably say, look, it's for Palestinians, Palestinians and Israelis to decide what the political structures they live under are. But those of us on the outside should set what we're supposed to do everywhere. We should set some ground rules, which is we won't accept violations of international law and war crimes. And we won't accept a system which has very thoroughly and credibly been designated as a regime of apartheid, not only by Palestinians, but by Israel's blue chip human rights organizations, by Human Rights Watch internationally, by Amnesty. So I think the outside should say, well, look, you know, we, we don't have to insist on a two state outcome, but we have to insist on an outcome where neither side are ethnically cleansed. Both sides are living in security and equality and have their rights respected. But you can't. Yeah, you can't have one party being held to account, as Hamas rightly is, when it commits crimes, and another party, the state of Israel, being given a free pass for its years and years of violating international law. That's where we are. 
So if we want to see something better happen, yeah, that's what's got to change. And I know, you know, I'm speaking to, to, to you, Kieran, in Ireland. You're part of the EU. Where I am isn't anymore. I know things are blocked in the EU. But I think countries who see this reality perhaps can act in concert as, as coalitions of like-minded rather than waiting for Brussels to be unstuck. All right, we'll leave it there. Daniel, thank you for joining us. Daniel Levy is a president of the US Middle East Project. He's a former Israeli negotiator and a one-time advisor as well to the uh, Israeli PM Ehud Barak. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.